The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And Happy New Year. I am Summer Sibley Brown filling in for Neville James as the host of Analyze This from WTJX 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Neville is on St. Thomas today and he is preparing to host WTJX's coverage of the 2023 Briar Roach inauguration, which begins today at 10 a.m. on WTJX TV. Viewers can also stream online via WTJX's Facebook page and and at WTJX.org. As we dive into the new year fresh with resolutions, goals, and intentions, I thought we might, it might be interesting to check in on the, whoops, it might be interesting for us to have a conversation about what the new year, at least I'm hoping, will hold, um, right? Which everybody knows for me is like increased conversations about agriculture. And then in hour two, we have, we're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about health. Um, before I go into our guest, because we do have a guest in studio today, I wanted to shout out um, all our listeners and I wanted to apologize. I know first first show of the year, you were really hoping to hear, you know, the R, right? The the NPR, if he was here rolling it like it's Rakim and it's not, but I have the privilege of filling in for him. Neville James, if you are listening this morning, shout out, good luck, have a wonderful time at the inauguration and for Virgin Islanders you know today today is a day right today is a great day in the virgin islands we are having inauguration festivities and i wanted to shout out that it's like three days of festivities right so on saint thomas today there is the inaugural mass um saint peter's and paul cathedral church charlotte amali 8 a.m um that is you know we're inaugurating our governor neville will be there um david Mont- there's the David Monsanto bandstanding um, at Emancipation Garden at 10.30. Um, there's a military parade, Veterans Drive at 1 p.m. There's an open house at Fort Christian, um, Charlotte Amalia at 2 p.m. And there's a, the inaugural ball this evening. Um, and as you know, there was like a whole wonderful opportunity to get your tickets online and, you know, people will be festive. Then those festivities move to St. John, um, on the 3rd and then St. Croix on the 4th, right? So it's the post-inaugural mass they'll have. They'll have the introduction of the governor. on Saint, That's on St. John. And then there's a reception. And those are happening at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church on St. John. And that's invite only. There is introduction of the governor at Frank Powell Senior Park. Um, there's a reception at Mida's Garden in Cruz Bay at 1 p.m., on St. Croix, there's also another post-inaugural mass at St. Patrick's Church in Frederickstead. There's a military parade in downtown Frederickstead. Post-inaugural ceremony in Budhoe Park. Open house reception at Arthur Abel Complex. And then inaugural ball at Polo Grounds. So the administration and um, Governor Bryan and Lieutenant Governor Roach and all the members of the cabinet have a really packed three days um i'm wishing everybody well um you know 2023 is here and so now i'm going to turn into the show if neville calls in we might get to sneak a good morning you may get to hear his voice you may not um but in studio with me 
you know if you have Summer Sibley Brown hosting the first conversation of the year, besides well wishes and, you know, love and prosperity, health and wealth to all the listeners um, of our station, it, we're going to have a conversation on agriculture. And this conversation is actually really an accidental um, conversation because I've made a new friend, Miss Audrey S. Darko. She is here and she runs a company called Sabon Sake. And um, Audrey's from Ghana. And I thought, wow, um, you know, I wanted... I learned a lot about her this weekend and I thought it would be interesting if our audience, as we seek to achieve Vision 2040, right, which has major agricultural goals in it, um, we've just passed an ag plan um, and we're considering land and water use plans that it would be a great, um, <laughs> it'd be a great intro to start our year and that would, with an A, right, which is an A for agriculture. So morning, Audrey. Good morning. How are you? I am doing well. I'm I'm feeling good about t- today. You're feeling good about today. Yeah. So, Audrey, tell me a little bit about you. Who is Audrey S. Darko? And also a little bit about your company, Sabon Sake. Wow, it's it's such a pleasure to be here on the islands, I must say. Uh, and so far, I feel the weather is good. The people are really lovely. And um, I'm excited because I'm here not to just experience how beautiful the island is, but really um, to connect on one of the most um, passionate things in my life's work, which is to help farming communities across the continent, which is Africa, and as well um, and beyond transition from conventional farming, um, unsustainable farming practices into more organic and regenerative um, farming practices. Um, I'd, I'd like to start off and say I'm a farmer. I'm also an agriculture development um, strategist and as well um, helping to partner and collaborate with farming communities to grow more food sustainably to understand what it means to tackle the climate crisis and simultaneously increasing food security and quality. And I am also really passionate about soils. How do we get our soils to be more healthy? How do we get soils to provide the food that we grow all year round and provide more nutrient dense food that improves our health and our well-being. Mm. So I am super excited that I get to be here. And as a green nomad, as I call myself, I'm so glad to be here at this point in time. Thank you. So it's, um, it's really interesting because you said four things already that I think we could spend hours and hours talking about. Um, first and foremost, you mentioned organic and regenerative right? And I feel like in the Virgin Islands um, and in the world, really, not just the Virgin Islands, as we're entering this new era of how people are seeking and learning how to farm, right? Many people know or feel like they have an understanding of at least the commercial labeling of organic. Um, But what does organic mean in practice for farming? And then also like the big word, the R word, I feel like we would, you know, that's a real, it needs a platform of its own when we talk about what is regenerative agriculture. And so if you could just like, when you say regenerative, what are you talking about? Okay, that's, that's a very good question. 
Okay, so I'll start off with saying um, I lead Saban Sake, right? And Saban Sake means in the Hawiza language, um, which is the second most widely spoken language on the African continent, I think, yes, um, means to transform, mm. right? Or to make something new again. And I do associate that word with what regenerative means, which, which should mean, or which means to transform the earth for better, it's more encompassing, and to ensure that you are touching on the various elements of nature, whether it be the soil, the plants, the soil biodiversity, right, and also the practices that you apply when farming to enable enable crops to grow, to enable nature to survive and thrive, and to, and doing so to reverse climate change. Mm. So we, I'm sure we've experienced drought, we've experienced flooding, we've experienced soil erosion, we've experienced compact soils. Regenerative looks at ensuring that you are harnessing the power of nature, either through its resources, through waste, whatever, to ensure soils are better, um, soil plant matter is increased, um, etc., to ensure that you know you're having nutrient dense food that improves your health. So I think you know what the the way you have positioned it and what I've, I'm hearing, because when we talk about regenerative ag and we talk about ag practices, the average listener could be driving and be like, "Oh, this morning is a farmer conversation." right? Because we're talking about farm and food production. But as a general listener, oh, what does food production mean for me, right? It means increased access to more nutrient-dense food, right? And in, in America, or maybe even globally, there's, there's a conversation about food calories, hmm. um, but I think people don't really get the conversation about food nutrients, right? And that those nutrients come from the soil, um, so, like, when you talk about regenerative and you're talking about the elements, that excites me. You also mentioned something about climate. And I think if you're a listener, you know, it is January 2023, and that's a boundary and a transition that happens for us as humans. But the earth is continuing. She's continuous, right? She don't have a break. Today is not the second day of the new year for the earth. She is she is in this constant, like, flow to exist, Um in a balanced way and climate is part of that. And so what is the what what is the urgency you see um around regenerative agriculture in relationship to food, in relationship to to how we as humans like sustain ourselves? Okay, I'll say that over over ninety five percent of our soils, right, produce over ninety five percent of the foods we pr- we produce come from our soils. Right, uh, that alone is is eye opening, and I think that that allows us to see that soils, elements of nature, we should prioritize in order for us to grow food more sustainably and grow food more consistently. Um, the urgency around regenerative agriculture. Well, I'd say that one is to first look at the mindsets of us as humans, right? Um, and how do we transform that mindset to see that we can, first of all, take care of nature to take care of us, ensure that we are, we are not just um, growing any kind of food, anyhow, but then we are looking at how do we 
How do we engage in responsible production and consumption? How do we um, build climate resilience, right? How do we um, ensure that we are not going hungry, right? It starts off with the mindset. And I'll give the example of what we do at Saban Sake um, and say that as it's Saban Sake, we started off with utilizing the abundant resources that surround us at the farm. So we found out that we we have a lot of waste, you know, biomass waste. We have a lot of um, we have a lot of farm waste, either from your your vegetable farm or your maize farm, whatever. And currently, we 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 realized that there's a need to 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 actually make use of this waste. We currently use bagasse, which is sugarcane uh, biomass waste. We also use coconut husks as well, even rice husks. We harness that power and then convert that into organic soil blends that go back into the soils to grow the food that we eat. So first, we're excited that with Regenerator, we're able to at least increase accessibility and the availability of food by harnessing the power of the waste materials that are around us. And I feel um, once we're able to, um, once we're able to have that mindset that we can make use of all the resources around us and not see them as waste, and then turn that around to help us grow food, the earlier the better for everyone. Um, so I feel like I'm at um, church this morning, right? It's not the inauguration, but I feel like I'm at church because when you talk about, no, when you talk about harnessing the power of our waste, right? What what it is, the biomass waste, the farm waste, and, and it's this is important for agricultural principles for soil building, but I feel like in 2023, it's important for people in their individual households to look around and be like, how can I harness the power of my waste, right? How can I begin to use what I think is no longer valuable to add back to the environment around me in a way that creates beneficial, it's beneficial for me, it's beneficial for my backyard, it's beneficial for my community. So that's a, like you should coin that phrase, harnessing the power of our waste, because it's, it's that like, as New Year's resolutions go, right? This is the time people are making them here. Like that's one, like how can, that's the question I want to be in for myself. How can I harness the power of my waste to like add it back? So there is an additional value. You also talked, um, 95% of the food is produced by soil. So yeah. soil is critical. Soil is, um, hmm, that's, you're right. It's capital. It is. Soil yeah. is capital. So soil is a resource. Um, that that is equivalent to to it's valuable. It is e equivalent to a dollar exchange, right? And I don't think people normally s we see soil and we see dirt. Like the average person is not watching the difference between they think soil and they think dirt, and that they're equal, and they're not, right? Dirt is what soil becomes after it's been drained of its nutrients. Um, wow, soil is capital i just think that's something that i would like for to sit like to sink in for the listening audience 95 percent of the food we produce comes from soil which means soil is extremely valuable 
right? Most valuable asset, I think, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, I would agree that it is because, for, so to live, to live, human beings need food, we need water, we need clean air, and we need reasonable shelter to protect us from the elements. How you build that reasonable shelter, you know, big, small, whatever. But those are the things we need. Um, in today's world, we add on energy and we add on, you know, we add on the basics. But if we had to reduce ourselves to our basic most principles, it is that. Um, and so soil, if you need food and 95% of what we eat comes from soil, then soil does elevate itself to being one of the most critical things, the, the most important resources that exist on the planet, next to water. Facts. Um, it, so it's interesting as we talk about what soils are and how we need it. Can you tell me what good soil entails? How do you know if soil is good? That's a, I, that's a very, very good question. Um, because first you started with the, the physical appearance of soil. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure you could tell if you if you have soil that has been um, left without nutrients, soil that has been deserted, lacks you know care or mm -hmm. nurturing. You see them as compact. You see them lacking earthworms. You know the microbes, the carbon, the organic matter, right? As compared to one that looks terra preta or, or you know very rich in carbon, you know, has a lot of organic matter. Um, and then you have a lot of biodiversity growing and thriving in it. And another way you could tell what good soil is, is um, its ability to um, improve your water holding capacity, right? Um, right now, I, I'm sure we are feeling the adverse impact of climate change um, in to the to the problem of drought, and now it's an essential that we do build drought resilience in our farming practices. And how do you do that when you're working with your soils? So we're gonna go take a break and come back and talk about how you build biodiversity in soils. This is Summer Sibley Brown talking to Audrey S. Darko of Sabonsake. Um, see you when we come back from break. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX-FM 93.1. You know exactly how you take your morning coffee. Knowing where to get news you can rely on is just as simple. Listen to Morning Edition from NPR News every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. You can also listen on demand via the WTJX app, available for download from the App Store in Google Play. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news designed for 21st century humans might look like. 
One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com. If you are just tuning in, happy, 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 happy new year. Um, yes, this is summer, not Neville. He is in St. Thomas preparing to host um, the inauguration, the, the 2023 Brand Roach um, Administration's inauguration, which begins at 10 a.m. today. And you can see it on WTJX TV, WTJX Facebook page, WTJX.org. So please, please, please tune in. You could you, you get to see Neville um and he'll be back tomorrow. But for today, you have me, and I am talking to Audrey S. Darko of Sabon Sake. And we're talking about agriculture, the thing that makes me the most excited. And so I'm hoping you're getting excited because thus far, we've touched a little bit on who Audrey is. She's here from Sabon Sake, is in Ghana. Um, she works with com- farmers and communities of farmers and like increasing opportunities for them to network, um, to increase yield production, and to work regeneratively. Um, which was um, a large part of our conversation. And the name Sabon Sake means to transform, right? In, in Which Audrey, to quote her, said, that's kind of the principle of regenerative agriculture, to transform whatever it is we're doing in agriculture so that it is actually being beneficial um, to, to the earth, to all parts, to climate, to us as humans, producing more nutrient-dense food in a nutshell. And so, Audrey, we're back. And I want to... I want to talk to you a little bit more about what is Sabon Sake? How did you start it? Um, what have you done so far? How long have you existed? That's, thanks for that. Um, I'll start off with saying that Sabon Sake was birth, um, was a mission of ensuring that all the elements of nature, the trees, the environment, we as humans, down to biodiversity, are able to thrive and to function at optimum best. Mm. So with this, with this mindset, with this mission, um, we started um, somewhere at the ending of 2018. So this year will be our fifth year in, 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 in existence. Um, and it was triggered honestly by, by looking at how food factories um, across Ghana and parts of the continent were collapsing because um, the notion was that there wasn't enough raw material or food supplies to get the factory um, sustainably operated every day. And I, we, I just couldn't understand why, you know. Um, and I, I, th- I thought to myself, um, why is this happening? It shouldn't happen because there are farmers, there's land, 
we can grow food, we can do this sustainably, we can scale it, and then we can supply these factories to provide the, the food that we need and distribute all over the world, right? So um, we just we just we just took a leap of faith and um, started off with walking in and researching in farming communities. So we've partnered with farming communities all across Ghana and um, parts of Africa where we just wanted to understand what does it take to get farmers who are the front lines of climate change and are the front lines of our sustainable food production to grow food for us and to make sure the food factories don't collapse, are not resuscitated, don't collapse again, (laughs) but actually just are sustained throughout. So we we just um, started off with um, a sugarcane farming community down in, in Ghana that was producing various varieties of cane. And we thought to ourselves, in order to increase the yield, um, there are a lot of things we could look at. But then we eventually realized that their soil quality, how they were, you know, practicing farming was not sustainable wasn't regenerative so we just we just said okay we would we would work in a way that improves the soil health restores it back to to good standing and then voila we can have increased yields and the factories could have the food supply so that's what it's been um like so it's funny because as you were talking about two things that I thought mirrored the Virgin Islands, right? We have farmers at the front line. We have we have land. We have people. Where is the food? Why is this? Why is it such a problem? We in the Virgin Islands, we import 98 percent of our food. Right. So when you said, why is there a problem with food supply? Right. Like this should be able to be to be achieved. Um, I think there are many in our community who feel that way. I, for one, so I resonated. Like, I had a real connection to you in that moment. I was like, duh, like, that's how I feel. I'm like, what is what is amiss here? Why we, we aren't moving the needle? And, and you said a key word. You said at scale, right? Like, we can start at scale and grow this into continual sustainable food supply that is happening in a way that is not just good for the people, but it's good for our environment, right? And so Virgin Islands Good Food, who I am not wearing that hat this morning, (laughs) but like really, 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 I really connected there because I was like, yes, yes, and yes, right? And it it could and should be this way in any um, island country, rural community, or even now with urban agriculture, right? Available that people have access to doing that. So that that stood out. And then starting with research, right? Getting to know the communities, getting to know the people and, and the challenges um, is super important. And you, I mean, like, I just feel like brilliant, 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 because you also said, which I want to frame for, um, all those who are listening, that farmers are on the front line, not just of food production. They're on the front line of climate. Climate action impacts all of us and it impacts some of us more, right? Yes. Farmers' livelihoods are tied to the conditions of the environment. Um, 
if 95% of what they're producing comes from soil outside, soil erosion, hurricanes, flooding, they're impacted by all of these things. Groundwater for drought, right? Quality of soil allows water to percolate through to the water table, right? Saltwater erosion, like there's all of these complex and really actually simple systems that exist all around us to create biodiversity, as you said, and farmers are on the front line of that, which also makes them major, their practices makes them major contributors to the outcome. So I, um, wow. Um, and so you said you started, I'm going to take us back to Sabon Sake. I just went off on a little, a little contextual rant, um, cause I was so excited. Um, you talk about Sabon Sake working and using biomass farm waste to create soil or organic soil so is that part of what you do at sabon sake yes um that's part of what we do at sabon sake um our goal is how do we get small scale smallholder farmers as well to transition to export driven commercial agriculture and in order to do this what better way than to provide accessible and available soil inputs? So we use the biomass waste, harness its power, and create sustainable biochar blends. So these are just carbon-rich material out of the biomass waste um, using technology. And then we provide, um, currently have two product lines, um, and the name of the, the soil blends or fertilizer is called Sabonterra. Um, we have biochar-based blends that, one, help increase drought resilience of the soil, improve water holding capacity over 64%. Um, two, replenishes soil nutrients, obviously the standard nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. And then lastly and most important um, is helps to sequester carbon. And that might be a new thing. I'm 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 snapping. <laughs> if you all can see me in the studio, I'm like snap, snap, snaps as if I'm like a beat at a beatnik fest. The reason why is because bing 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 carbon sequestration. So I'm gonna let you finish and then I I, I feel like I wanna jump in. Yes, carbon sequestration. <laughs> Listen, because it's important. Yes. Um in a nutshell, that means you're fixing stable carbon in the ground. How do you do this? Well, there are different routes. One route is to plant a lot of trees. We know trees capture the carbon dioxide that we exhale, right? Absorb it because that's your food. And the more we plant more trees, the more we can trap out the atmospheric carbon um, dioxide. And then, you know, we have more fresh oxygen and then reduces global warming. Um, with carbon sequestration, the route is actually to store that carbon in the ground, in your soil. So you might have an acre of land or even a quarter of that. And then you have your biomass waste, right, um, which is converted or your soil blend or soil input, for instance, Sabonterra, that is rich in carbon, in stable carbon. You apply it um, within the ground in your soil preparation stage or in your seed drills or your planting holes and instead of that um instead of that waste or carbon emissions going up because people would either abandon it or they'll burn it you trap that 
into stable carbon form and then you store it in the ground and that stays there more permanently right and then obviously increases your organic matter provides more porosity and aeration of the soils and then win-win you're setting carbon emissions and then you're also doing good for your soil health um, and that I'll quickly touch on on why are the second I'll quickly touch on um, the second question we try to answer at Sabin Sake is how do farmers how do we get farmers to earn additional income mm. aside their farming? You're growing your vegetables, your tomatoes, your cucumbers, excellent, but that might not be enough. So, how do we help you earn additional income? Under carbon sequestration, we are soon to roll out um, a web portal that allows farmers who are storing carbon in the ground or fixing it in the ground using either Sabantera or harnessing the power of sustainable biochar um, to earn money out of that. So, um, well, you know, because I think this is hopefully, for those of you who don't know, this is an enlightening conversation, right? Because when we talk about carbon sequestration, there is something called the carbon market, right? And so when exactly when we talk about two things, right? That and I think this gets to the base of why people grow food. People grow food so other people have food supply to eat. Farmers grow food because they are business people. Smallholder farmers are business people. So at the end of the day, they need to break even. Their production and sales, whether direct market helps, wholesale export, it could be a large continuous market. Wouldn't it be great if one day in the Virgin Islands, we grew a certain amount of food, but we actually had a gross domestic product that was, or gross territorial product, Ming have never come for me today, gross territorial product that we could export. Um, we have one, <clears throat> we have one in, in, in rum, Right, but if we had another product that was food based that was being exported from the shores, that could increase um, agriculture becoming a economic economic driver in the Virgin Islands. Second, that carbon market undergirds right now because if we're doing it, if we're farming in the right ways, not just sustainably or organically, but regeneratively capturing carbon and be and using farming as an answer to climate change instead of a contributor of climate change when we can become part of the answer to the climate crisis there is now an incentive called the carbon market right and this is something that I am hoping, you know, Audrey and I spoke over the weekend. We got to speak on Friday, um, which I was like, oh, my God, she's so brilliant. And she has all this knowledge. And like this conversation needs to become commonplace in every farming community, because I think it can help farmers leapfrog over some of the issues that they're stuck in financially. Some of the impacts that they, it makes them an answer in the things that are directly impacting them. They're directly impacted by environment. Right. So now it's like regenerative agriculture gives you a chance to be not um, succumb to the whims of environment, but to say, I'm going to get in front of this and I'm going to start to help harness the practices that I can use to to help the environment help me. It's a working with, not against. Um, and I think that's really, really, really important. And like so 
you know, everybody's getting ready for the inauguration, but I wish like there were <laughs> policymakers and things listening because I think carbon market, carbon sequestration, like how are we beginning to have that conversation here in the Virgin Islands is is really important. Um, wow. So I want to talk a little bit about Sabonterra because you, you went into this to support farming communities and did you yes. always have that product in mind or did that product come out of the work you were doing? Uh it came out of the work we were doing um, because there are two things that we touch on at Sabon Sake is with the mindset and is with utilizing local resources. So we used to call it waste, but now we see waste as a resource. So the mindset and the resource. Um, and we started off with how do we, how do we empower conventional farmers or or farmers that are not aware about sustainable regenerative practices that would boost your yields, boost your um, small economies, right? Or their communities and their livelihoods. Um, and we started doing that through training and workshops and just open dialogue, mm. building a farmer network where we are all sharing and exchanging learnings, indigenous practices, you know, ideas, observations on the field. What other ways we can do this better? Mm -hmm. And just starting up by that. And um, that's how we started. And then it transitioned to a product, a physical product as a result, because we realized that obviously if we need to incentivize farmers who are now aware about what it takes to grow food more organically, sustainably, they need the resources, the inputs. And that's how Subantara was born. We just looked at local resources and said, all right, you have lots, um, you have lots of waste, um, too much actually, <laughs> and, and you, you don't know what to do with it can we harness that power and create a product that is more affordable, more accessible and available to you in order to encourage you to do what you're doing? I think what you're saying in terms of one in, a, in this conversation, one thing that has popped up um, for me in every iteration of what we're doing is your, your disposition for curiosity and your disposition for inquiry, right? Um, which truly the experiment, right? The question, the science, the idea that there's something here to explore. Um, not, not, not one answer, right? I don't have the answer. I have a question. And letting that curiosity drive you to get to answers that actually serve whom you're working with and centers the place contextually, historically, you know, the people who are doing this, like that, you're speaking to me and that's what I'm receiving. And so I wanted to... What is the secret to happiness? That's a really good question. And how can we live a more meaningful existence? Here's the secret, I think, of life. That I'm Anoush Zamarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's get right to it. Join us. Saturdays at 4 p.m. Here on WTJX FM 93.1. If you graduated from high school in the U.S. Virgin Islands, don't be stuck with college debt. Create your future for free with free tuition plus at UVI. 
with free tuition plus your tuition is covered plus you can use additional financial aid to pay for room and board and other expenses at the university of the virgin islands you'll receive a world-class education with opportunities to study abroad and gain hands-on experience choose from 99 majors minors and certificates on campus and online visit www.uvi.edu and apply today on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big cowboy hat on. <laughs> he looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Tune in to Conversations with AARP Virgin Islands. Listen and watch to get news and information on upcoming events as well as informed conversations with agencies and community organizations. On WTJX-TV Channel 12, Fridays at 8.30 p.m., Sundays at 2 p.m., Saturdays streaming live on AARP Virgin Islands and WTJX's Facebook page, Tuesdays at 11 and live 11 a.m. at 93.1 WTJX-FM, Conversations with AARP Virgin Islands. If you are just tuning in, it is the second day in the new year, and this is Summer Sibley Brown um, talking to Audrey Estarco of Sabon Sake, all things agriculture, regenerative, um, using ways to build really great organic matter products, Sabon Terra, to help, um, help farmers help people get nutrient-dense food, but also to stabilize and add viability to their businesses um, by having access to other markets, right? And we we mentioned something called the carbon market. You can look it up, um, Google it, right? Um, or use any search engine of your choice. And I wanted to, you know, as we talked as we talked about that, there was one thing you said in, in our last um, round. You said you use the local waste materials, Right? Why is that important? Local. Local is a huge driver, you know, for economic success or um, just getting people's livelihoods to be much better, you know, go from a zero to 100. And local embraces the, the principle of secularity. Mm. What, what, what exactly is practicing secularity or what exactly is the circular economy? In each community, I strongly believe that one must build a circular economy by utilizing its local resources instead of looking at ones that are being imported in. It's cheaper it means that you are recycling and doing right by the environment and anything you do any any time you support the environment it supports you it reciprocates that gesture and what better way than to be more cost effective and ensure that you have a um a reduce reuse recycle kind of um approach to doing things to to spare you on Mm. So when 
when we talk about the principles of circularity, right? You and I had a conversation this Saturday and I felt like the principle of circularity is one of the primary ways we leverage the changes that are highlighted in um, the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. Um, I know that Saponsake has several Sustainable Development Goals on its website, and I want you to give people your website before we leave. So if they're interested and they want to learn more about what you do, they can actually go to your website and find information about you and sign up for a newsletter or, you know, just follow the work. Um, but it's also that circular economy harnesses the power of the dollar, right? Moving in our, when we're talking about economies, it's looking at using the waste. It's how we develop supply chains. It's how many places, the, how many households, people, businesses, the dollar touches before we send it off to our, um, export mark, our import market, right? Because right now we are, when we go straight, from like direct to import, we miss the value of what it could build and how it, and, and that sticking and staying power in our community is lost. Um, and so I really, really, really the principle of circ- I, I called it hyperlocal systems, right? The more you the more directly you can drive down, that you can dig deep in and build hyperlocal systems, we're going to drive circular economies. And I'm like, I know I'm, I'm saying the the listening audience today is like you're hearing all of like my ag science geek kind of come out. But at some level, these are the conversations we need to be having. We need to be having them in with our home. We need to be having them with our children. We need to be having them at our jobs. We need to be having them with our governments. Right. We need the people drive policy. People drive change. Right. But the reason why this conversation is we need to raise a generation of children who are coming out of our education system prepared to participate in circular economies, prepared to navigate this conversation, prepared to hold us accountable to it because what it does is it's actually what will build a better future for them. Right. And in the past, we've seen where we've seen we know where we are. We know, you know, time time for climate. We're in the urgency of it right now we're in a tipping point where we have some major decisions to make and if if the practice of circuity right or circular business can help environment and then environment can help us like this is a ninth grade 10th grade 11 you know like these in high schools we need to be pushing these conversations so they are prepared to enter to enter um to enter their professional lives and their adult lives yeah. better suited to participate and make choices for themselves. Um, yeah, there's, there's one thing I'd like to add to that and, and say that over the years of running Saban Sake, I've realized how circularity must be founded on collaboration. Mm. There's just no way you could have, in quotes, sustainable secularity or the practice of that with, without it on a solid foundation of collaboration. Which is why working with community becomes principle, right? It's key because then within that community, you foster collaboration. Um, wow. That, and that's like shared work, shared practice. How do we do this together? Which makes me feel like it's also taking us back to like indigenous ways of being, right? Like I think our ancestors understood um, at all 
deeper levels what it meant to be collaborative in order to exist. I think modern I think modern times tells us that we can do things in isolation, which nothing in nature functions in isolation. Not even soil, right? No way. <laughs> no way. It would not function at optimum best. And if that's the ideal or utopia we're looking for, it's essential that we are looking out for the various resources, the various people, the various institutions, the various infrastructure that are around us that we could tap into, that we could connect with, that we could collaborate with in order to to achieve the the final outcome or the goal of of having an excellent um, and um, burgeoning economy, mm. right? And um, just also going back a bit, it has to be closed loop. So it's not just an open loop circular economy. It needs to be closed loop. I'll give the example of, there might be somebody who um, is growing maybe leafy vegetables, right? But then there might be a market that's available to sell that. Or there might be a farmer that has acres of a raw material that's available. How do we support that farmer right, to supply that market and ensure that that money goes back into the community that it stays in. That is circular economy. And even with it, I know Virgin Islands is such a tourist destination, a unique one. And I think we now need to start looking at circular tourism. Yes, yes, Audrey, come through. Circular <laughs> tourism yes. as part of circular economies. Like, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's anything that we should do that we don't apply these principles to, right? Yeah. So earlier you said um, you're an agricultural strategist. Yes, development strategist. Agricultural development strategist. Um, but those are the types of um, people, consultants, leaders, conversations, like people who we also need at our very full table um, that would have multiple opinions, multiple skill. But circular tourism absolutely is a thing we need to figure out how we make tourism regenerative how are we and what are the standards by which we're not asking businesses to go away we're asking businesses to come along to yes. come along like because globally globally what we do in one place is no it, it has never been siloed and environment and the climate crisis is showing us that more than ever you told me um something about your carbon uh, how much carbon Ghana emits? Yeah, the continent, Africa as a whole, is, is just about 2%. 2%? 2 to 4%, yes. But you experience, um, because of your location, because of your weather, you experience drought. You know, it's not, it's not oh, okay, Afri no, the continent only emits 2%. They're not going to ex experience extreme climate crisis. And um, the United States is, I'm making this number up, a random number, 20%. So they experience it more. No, we're all in this together. So yes. what one place does doesn't help if we're not willing to reduce our carbon emissions, if we're not willing to sequester carbon, if we're not willing to join, right? If farmers in the Virgin Islands and farmers on the continent did it, but farmers in other countries aren't being educated, right? This is actually a global, your Phenomenon. mission. Yes. Yeah, it's, it needs it needs Audrey's all over the place, um, multiple Audrey's to kind of like get on the ground. We need more Saponsakes, like to get on the ground and help people understand that, like in order to actually address climate. 
exactly. and grow food sustainably so that we all have access because what people don't realize is the supply chain is breaking down, right? The more development we have, right? The more urbanization we have. That means the more trees, soil, groundwater we're losing. Like, we have to think about that as we grow the population. How do we do that sustainably or in a way that contributes um, to helping environment and nature support us? And why should we worry? Because it has a direct impact on our livelihoods. We can't keep on ignoring that fact. Our livelihoods are being threatened. So if we don't look at these aspects that are pressing and, and, and there are problems that are gradually, gradually seeping into you know, the fabric of society and destroying it insidiously, we are doomed. Hmm. <laughs> I hope not, though. But Yeah, no, it's 2023, and I think the hope is that we have an opportunity to do something differently, right? So the reality of the situation may seem grim, but we woke up this morning it's 20 it's the second day of 2023 we all get to choose um where we spend our money to contribute to circular economies as farmers how we want to produce or what we could learn or what we could be open to as governments what policies we want to want to put in place to be protected you know to protect the communities and contribute positively so i think the the most hopeful point is is we have choice points we're here and we can choose um, I had a question, you know, farmers in Ghana, you've mm-hmm. spent a weekend here. Have you seen any similarities, major mm-hmm. differences? Definitely. There, there are huge similarities between Ireland and um, Ghana and African Africa as a continent. Uh, I mean, food for sure. Um, I'm told there's fungi. I need to taste that pretty soon. <laughs> that should be similar to Ghana's uh, banku or fufu, you know, made, made out of maize, cassava, you know, yams or plantains. It's amazing. Um, down to the weather, you know, there's good weather. You know, where do you get beautiful sunshine, beautiful sunsets, you know, rain, you know, access to land. I mean, that's going on on the continent. And then as well, having the people, you know, that um, understand the culture, um, are able to communicate with one another and and do that more um, collaboratively. Uh, I think these are these are a few similarities I've seen, and um, I'm sure I'll see more. <laughs> I'm sure I'll see more. Um, as we get ready to kind of like round out this section, I would like to ask you. This is my favorite question to ask people. Mm-hmm. What is your greatest hope, Audrey, for the work that you are doing? Okay, one is to see more youth involved. It's amazing to see our moms, our dads, our grandpas, our grandmoms, you know, holding the baton and the torch and then powering through the farming industry and growing food for us. You know, averagely over 
the 60, 60 years is the average age for pharma is also the same in Ghana and yes. parts of the continent. I, I honestly think there needs to be a shift and awakening and the youth need to be involved. And my, my goal is to ensure that we can empower the youth, incentivize them and reel them in quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the only way we can ensure sustainability. And then I think the second bit is to ensure that we have a solid pharma network that understand each other, that appreciate each other, are willing to collaborate with one another. Right. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that whilst I'm here on the island. Uh, and then thirdly would be ensuring that we can build circular models, business models, where you can have on your farm access to raw materials, you can process your raw materials, you can produce food and distribute. And that is building an economy on its own and doing this more at scale and rapidly. And I, I have that set up in Ghana and I'm hoping to encourage that and scale that across many farming communities in order to better livelihoods. So that, that is exactly what I see. Mm. And That's beautiful. Um, and I just, you know, if you're listening, if you know a farmer, um, tell them, check out Sabon Sake. What is your website? Sabonsake.com. Um, there's a lot we need to add more on that website, but that's... No, listen, <laughs> I've been to your website. It's beautiful. Like, I was like, website envy. I was like, and, and um, I am really happy that you took time to come on with me this morning. Yes. Thank you so much. I hope our listening audience had a great conversation. This is Summer Sibley Brown closing our conversation with RG S. Darko, and I will see you in hour number two where when we talk with Vidco. All right. Views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. All of us want to know what's going on, but only some of us want to know the why. That's where we come in. 1A is a place for the curious. Daily conversations for those looking to make sense of our world. I'm Jen White. I hope you'll join me next time for 1A. Catch 1A at its new time. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. I'm Deepa Fernandez from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up plus conversations with authors and artists. Stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for Public Radio's midday news magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1.